Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's really good to be back with you today. We've only had three shows in the last two weeks because of LSU baseball. You won't have one tomorrow because LSU baseball, an incredible win today. Coming back from down 3-2 to two to Auburn in the bottom of the ninth inning. Winning on a wild pitch that turned into another error. Two runs scored on that. And LSU walked off Auburn. It's incredible, and LSU will play the winner of this Mississippi State-Vanderbilt game. That'll be tomorrow at about 6.30, maybe 7 o'clock, probably closer to 7 with the way things are running in Hoover. And uh, no show for us tomorrow, though. We'll be watching that and, and writing and tweeting about it tomorrow night here on WWL. This hour, we've got Rod Walker talking Saints OTAs at 9.20, and then we'll talk some basketball. And what I think is a real possibility for the Pelicans to come up with not just Zion Williamson, but also Ja Morant in this year's draft. If you think that's crazy talk, let me explain it. We'll do that at the bottom of the hour. And I want to get to my snub. One of the biggest snubs that I can remember, especially in the postseason NBA awards that are handed out, involves the all-NBA team. One guy who's left off all three teams is just absurd to me. And we'll hear from, from that guy a little bit later in the show. Let's talk some Saints OTAs, though. And the first time that the media got out and had a chance to see and talk to everybody out there, heard from Sean Payton and Drew Brees and a handful of players. And a lot of the talk, I told you in hour number one, was around Jared Cook, the new Saints tight end. Had a career year last year for Oakland, career high in receptions, yards, touchdowns. A lot of targets from the quarterbacks out there. Probably more volume than he'll see here, but it was a really nice year heading into a contract year and probably the most high-ceiling tight end they've had since Jimmy Graham was catching passes from Drew Brees here a handful of years ago. And like I said, everybody was talking about uh, Jared Cook, and Drew Brees knows that he's finally got a weapon here at the tight end spot. Here's Drew telling us a little bit about what he's seen from Jared Cook so far. And the plane right overhead. Yeah, if you've ever been out to Airline Drive, you know that's it's right in that air traffic pattern right outside of Louis Armstrong Airport. Said, though, very impressed by Jared Cook. Has only heard great things. And, uh, well, he's on script there because Sean Payton said pretty much the same thing when he was asked about Cook. Like I said, I'm not trying to rain on anybody's parade with what I opened the show with. And everything they're saying there is right. I mean, he's the best, he's the best tight end or has the potential to be this team's had in a handful of years. Jared Cook also talked to the media. It's pretty stoic, big guy. I understand it here at the media. He's always been that way if you followed his career. Not really gregarious and charismatic in front of the cameras and microphones, but we knew that we were going to want to ask him about what he thinks about Drew Brees. When you're an NFL player, especially a pass catcher in this league, from the outside looking in, most of the guys probably want to play with somebody like Drew or or a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers if they haven't before. Jared Cook has not had that opportunity. He's coming in here playing with Brees, and he has some impressions of Drew. And then he also talked about what's special with Drew. So Cook comes in here to play with Drew Brees and catch passes from him. But as soon as we knew that Jared Cook was going to be on the market, I thought he was going to end up here because of two reasons. Number one, the opportunity to play with Drew Brees and a quarterback like that. 
Number two, to play alongside one of the best receivers in the game in Michael Thomas. And, well, my suspicions were confirmed because Jared Cook talked about exactly that. He talked a lot about Drew Brees, but also his thoughts on working with Michael Thomas this year. Yeah, hoping he opens it up, and he's right. They need to relieve pressure off of each other. He needs to relieve pressure off Thomas, and Thomas will certainly do the same with him. This offense, they lost Mark Ingram. They lost Max Unger, but they got pretty much everybody else back. And assuming we don't see some precipitous decline from Drew, and I don't think we will, this offense should be just as explosive and high scoring as it was last year. And they should be right back in the mix to be the best team in the NFC. I really believe that. Really believe that. I'm going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Rod Walker of The Advocate. Covers the Saints there. He was out um, at Saints OTAs today. We'll ask him about his impressions. Also, former LSU track star Cyril Grayson Jr. He was front and center out at OTAs. We'll talk about him when we come back on the last lap. Raptors and Bucks headed to the fourth quarter. Three-point lead from Milwaukee, 75-72. to Giannis leads Milwaukee with 18 points. Not his usual overly dominant self, to be honest. Just 7 of 15 from the floor, only four rebounds, six assists. He's been held in check a little bit. And Nico Miritich, former Pelicans player, is having himself a rough postseason. 0 of 4 tonight. His plus minus is minus 11. He's been, frankly, he's been dreadful. And he's went from the starting lineup to the bench and is going to see his minutes probably reduced even more if he keeps playing like this 20 points for the Kawhi Leonard for the Raptors as they try to steal one on the road remember that series is tied at two games apiece Saints OTAs were today guy that was out there Rod Walker who covers the Saints for the advocate at our Walker advocate on Twitter if you want to follow him there uh, Rod what's going on man and uh, here we go right 2019 season I guess this is kind of the unofficial start of it right yeah, you know, it seems like it gets earlier and earlier every year. But, yeah, we're um, back at it again. You know, it seems like that NFC Championship game was <laughs> just a few months ago, and here we are. But, yeah, back back at it. It does. It, it kind of all melds together with the, the no call and, and everything that happened after that. I don't know. It's just all kind of been a blur. And I guess – I don't know. Maybe that – Rod, maybe that's just the, the way our NFL lives are now, where I guess it's just a 24-7, yeah. 365 kind of enterprise. Yeah, I think that's the way the NFL wants it. They want us to, you know, talk about it the whole year. And, you know, that's why they have the, the combines right there after the, um, you know, after the Super Bowl and everything just sort of runs together. And you have the draft, and they've made a big deal out of that. And now here we are in OTAs, which have become a sort of a big deal as well. I mean, everybody, you know, it's all on ESPN. Everybody's talking about them. So, yeah. Here we are. And what everybody was talking about today, it seemed like everybody was. Jared Cook, the new tight end. Drew Brees was impressed. Sean Payton was impressed. His teammates were impressed. Were you impressed, Rod? Yeah, I was. I mean, I was um, talking to someone else about today. I mean, I think the first thing that jumped out at you is just his his stature. I mean, he just sort of sticks out when you, you look at him and, you know, just coming out of the huddle. And you're like, whoa, this dude is, you know, kind of put together. You know, I don't, I don't know if he's quite as ripped maybe as Ben Watson was but I mean he's definitely had, he's an imposing figure and uh, one of the things that Drew talked about he's one of those guys with a really large you know catch radius and you know you feel like if you if he's one-on-one with somebody throwing the ball he's going to probably be able to get it just because of his uh, his physicality so I think that's something that bodes well for this team I mean we obviously know uh, how much this team was lacking some weapons other than Michael Thomas on this offense so I think you get a guy like Jared Cook and that's going to really be able to uh, 
open up some things. And I know talking to um, Dan Campbell back at at rookie minicamp, you know, I just I sort of asked him about Jerry Cook, and one of the things he talked about was just, um, you know, just how big he is, and you know, he even brought the name Jimmy Graham. He thinks that Sean Payne will be able to, you know, figure out how to use Cook in a in a manner that maybe you know he may put up some of the same type. Well, probably not numbers like Jimmy Graham, obviously, because you have Michael Thomas, but he'll be able to put up some big numbers in his offense. And another receiver who wasn't really on anybody's radar except LSU fans of Cyril, Cyril Grayson Jr. You know, he didn't play football at LSU. Was track and field star, one of the most decorated athletes in LSU history, multi-time NCAA champion, and uh, everybody was talking about him too, Rod, the, the speedster out there. You think he's got an outside chance to actually make this roster? I think he, he may... I think he has a shot. You know, um, it was funny. I was one of CJ, uh, I mean, you know, Coach Johnson, the receivers coach, I talked to him today, and one of his quotes about uh, about Cyril was that, um, you know, he said, you know, last year Keith Kirkwood was a surprise, and, you know, this might be the surprise, you know, this year uh, as far as a guy, and un, you know, a guy that makes makes his roster. I mean, he, he showed off his speed on a couple of plays today, and uh, they used him on – he's one of the three guys that had returning, you know, just kind of practicing returning kicks and stuff. So I think um, – I think he, you know, he, speed is one of those things you can't you can't teach. I mean, I know it's a cliche, but uh, it's something you can't teach. And you know, you have a guy that can stretch the field. I mean, I think that you know you like his chances. It's Rod Walker, the advocate, joining us here, talking a little Saints and Saints OTAs. And we mentioned two of the newcomers on offense, and those are two of the very few newcomers on offense, Rod. You can also throw, of course, Eric McCoy and, and Nick Easton are going to be battling for that starting center spot. But outside of those guys, and I guess Latavius Murray, the Saints are bringing back almost everybody on this offense. Is that maybe a storyline that we haven't talked about enough? Is just the continuity there on offense in, in the day and age where it seems like roster turnovers at about 40 50% every year, and the, the Saints to bring almost everybody back on that side of the ball? Yeah. Yeah, I think that is something that we probably haven't talked about enough. You know, you look at this team and, you know, they sign all these guys, uh, these undrafted guys, you're like, man, I don't even know where you're going to try to find a, a spot for anybody because it's, it's going to be hard. It's a hard team to make. I mean, they just brought so much back. And, um, yeah, I think that's definitely a big storyline. I just, yeah, this team is – this roster is pretty stacked if you look at what, you know, you look at what came back from a year ago. Yeah, stacked with the capital S. What else caught your eye out there today, Rod? Um, I think um, uh, we, I mean, you just mentioned Latavius Murray, but just his um, – I didn't realize he was as big as he is. I mean, um, he, he's put together as well. You know, we were sort of asking Deuce, like, hey, Deuce, how tall are you? Because he's taller than Deuce is. And, I mean, he's, he's listed at 6'2", and, he, you know, he looks the part. He's really put together as well. And uh, – uh, he, he stood out. I think something that, that people probably didn't talk about much, but um, you look at the offensive line today, and uh, well, Larry Warford wasn't there, but they had Nick Easton playing. Um, he was playing guard, and um, and Cameron Tom was playing center. You know, with, with that first unit, and you know, a little part of the practice that we were able to watch. And I think just Nick Easton, you know, versatility. The, the versatility of his offensive line has been. Um, it's been a staple of this unit. They've been able to switch guys around. You know, they've had some injuries over the past couple of years, but they've been able to just mix and match this thing, and I think that really helps out. That's a big reason this team's done so well. They've, they haven't skipped a beat when guys have gotten hurt, and I think that, that does well for this team. I think just that center position with, with Eric McCoy, Cameron Tom, and Nick Easton all sort of vying, <laughs> vying for that position, I think is, is going to be a really interesting race. Probably the most interesting 
position battle um, going into the season, I would think, um, just to see who's going to replace Max Unger. So uh, that's something I'm really intrigued about, you know, going the rest of the way to the, to the uh, leading up to um, to um, training camp. Yeah, it's so interesting with the new, you know, non-contact rules and off-season practice rules. You can't really learn too much about offensive or defensive line play this time of year. So I guess, I guess we're going to head to camp with that really being an open competition, right? Yeah, we will. You know, yeah. I mean, today you really just you don't really see a whole lot other than just what personnel is out there on the field. But yeah, so um, and that was something that you know they talked about. You know, just want to see how these guys do once they get those pads on, which you know that definitely is what you have to gauge these guys on when it comes to those linemen, especially. Uh, any position groups on this team that you're really looking at as maybe the biggest question marks as we head towards training camp? Oh, I think definitely. Um, seeing who those other receivers are going to be that's going to step up and and, and uh, compliment uh, Michael Thomas and, and Ted Ginn. I mean, I guess you think those guys are pretty solid. But, you know, you want to see guys like Keith Kirkwood and Traquan Smith make that leap here in, in year two. Um, they have some, you know, Travis Durrell's back from LSU. You know, he's a guy that broke his arm last year and, and um, back in July. So he's back. He's trying to find his spot on the team, Austin Carr, uh, Cameron Meredith, who we sort of forget about sometimes, and saying like, uh, you got all those guys that are trying to come back and 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 make an impact this season. So I'm really interested in, in seeing how the receivers turn out, and also just kind of what the Saints do up front on the defensive line, um, which you know with Sheldon Rankins being out and um, at the beginning of the season, and just how they're going to be to plug in those those holes. But you know today they had Malcolm Brown and David Onyemata, you know playing on the inside, and those two guys are you know probably pretty solid. So you may not miss. Sheldon as much as you think with with those two guys. So we'll just have to see how that turns out as well. Uh, Rod Walker, the advocate. Rod, we missed you in passing. You were heading out and I was headed in, but I'm sure I'll see you out there in the next couple of weeks. I always appreciate the chats, bud. Yeah. Uh, no problem. All right, Rod Walker of The Advocate covers the Saints there. At R Walker Advocate on Twitter, be sure you give him a follow. And uh, Saints OTAs continue. Our next look at the team will be uh, next week. And we'll be out there covering it for you again here at WWL. The Raptors have taken the lead in the Eastern Conference Finals Game 5. It's 85-81. Raptors trying to steal one on the road. We'll update you on that coming back. And crazy Pelicans draft ideas. Milwaukee in a little trouble here. Only down by four. They are at home, but it's been an off night for Giannis. And Kawhi is having his normal Kawhi performance, at least here in the 2019 playoffs. 30 points for the all-NBA first-teamer, 11 of 21 from the floor. He has been uh, absolutely great. I should say all-NBA uh, second-teamer. Kawhi Leonard, a second-teamer, not on the first team. And we unveiled those teams earlier tonight. Uh, first-teamers, Giannis, James Harden, Steph Curry, Paul George, and Nikola Jokic. And I just cannot believe that Kevin Durant wasn't on that first team. It's one of the two absurd things coming from that. We'll get to another Absolute absurdity a little bit later. Uh, Drew Holiday named to the All-NBA's All-Defensive second team, second consecutive year that he's been on an All-NBA defensive team. Last year it was the first team. Let's be honest here. He deserved to be on the first team, but usually when you're on a losing team, you don't get on those teams. In fact, he was the first guy this decade to be on a team with a losing record and even make the second team All-NBA defensive team. And uh, he did. So uh, congratulations to Drew. Certainly very well deserved. That comes just a few weeks after he was voted as the league's most undervalued player in the NBA by his peers, by the, the, his fellow players. 
So I wrote a piece a couple of days ago when I was off, because, and I really wish I was on, but I was off. And I was on fourth down and, and four uh, this weekend at WWL-TV with Doug Mouton and Andrew Doak and also Ollie Cosell was on the panel. Well, we got to talking about Pelicans draft ideas and, and Anthony Davis trade ideas. And one thing that had been floating around my mind was that the Pelicans shouldn't necessarily be content at just landing Zion in the draft. Of course, they got that fortune of landing the number one overall pick, which they will use on Zion. I think they've got a real opportunity, and you're going to think this is crazy, but I think they do have a real opportunity to come out of the draft with both of this year's top prospects. That's Zion and John Morant, the ultra-skilled point guard from Murray State, who is widely regarded as the second-best player in this draft. Now, the Pelicans pick one, Grizzlies pick two, and then it's the Knicks and Lakers pick three and four. Grizzlies aren't going to be involved in the Anthony Davis bid war. They're going to go through a long rebuild. Anthony Davis isn't going to sign there long term. They're all out on that. So the initial question becomes, how exactly will the Pelicans snag John Morant and Zion? Well, three-way trades have become incredibly commonplace in the NBA. And fortunately for the Pelicans, they have two potential Anthony Davis landing spots, the Knicks at pick three and the Lakers at pick four that sit right behind Memphis in the draft. I would argue that you can come up with multiple trade packages that would be very enticing for Memphis, both from the Knicks and the Lakers in three-way deals that would net the Pelicans' John Morant in return. Let's start with the Knicks here. They have the assets, and more so than the Lakers do, especially with where they're picking, because there's really three players in this draft that are considered can't-miss guys. you got Zion and Ja, and then you have R.J. Barrett, who is almost assuredly going to go number three. Well, New York likely will make Mitchell Robinson available in an Anthony Davis trade. The problem is, if I'm the Pelicans, I am extremely hesitant to bring the Chalmette High product back here in the city. I've said this before, and I want to make it very clear that I am not trying to take unwarranted shots at Mitchell Robinson. He was a kid when he was here. He's now a young man. He's still growing, and he'll soon be an adult. The mistakes we make when we're kids and the people we surround ourselves when we're kids um, we all make those mistakes, and that doesn't mean that those mistakes are going to follow you through life. However, I think it's done Mitchell Robinson wonders to get out of the city because I was around the high school basketball scene uh, for a long time here, and I can tell you that Mitchell Robinson wasn't around the best group. He didn't surround himself in the best crowds, and putting him back here in the city, I'd be very hesitant to do that, and I'd be a little bit worried if I was David Griffin and the Pelicans. Uh, so that said, they also have Dennis Smith Jr., who's intriguing on point guard. I'm not saying he's John Morant, but he's likely going to be a part of any trade package with Anthony Davis. So the Pelicans could send AD to the Knicks. The Knicks would also send Dennis Smith Jr., Mitchell Robinson, and the rights to R.J. Barrett to the Grizzlies three-way trade in return the Pelicans would land John Morant and also more assets more picks and players back I'm just putting the, the core of the deal together there now there's going to be like I said lots more pieces around that but that's the core and I think it's it's very possible that the Grizzlies might bite on something like that remember they're entering what is likely to be an extended rebuilding period 
if they can get multiple young players and picks in return, it makes a ton of sense to move back one spot from John Morant to Barrett. Now, the Lakers also are a possibility. They have lots of young assets. The problem is with the Lakers, they're picking at four, and there's no sure thing like R.J. Barrett, a relatively sure thing, sitting at four. So they would have to really juice up the trade package, and so would the Pelicans uh, going back to Memphis to make that happen. But something like Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, maybe Brandon Ingram, uh, multiple draft picks going to Memphis. You drop down a couple of spots, and you get John Morant this way in that three-way deal. I think it's a possibility. In fact, I think it's a real possibility. I used the word probable in the article. That was, look, admittedly, that was a little hyperbolic a couple of days ago, and I was a little excited. Probable was probably a little too much. But what I am telling you is, if you think it is absolute crazy talk that the Pelicans could possibly land both Zion Williamson and John Morant in this draft, it's not that crazy. It really isn't, and I guarantee you, that David Griffin and now Trajan Langdon are exploring those possibilities right now. In fact, our Blue Runner Foods opinion poll at WWL.com, do you think the Pelicans landing both Zion and Jaw is a real possibility or just crazy talk? You can cash your vote there. It was about 50-50 just a little bit ago. We're going to take a break. I'm going to come back. Jake Madison, the Locked on Pelicans podcast, will see if he tells me I'm crazy uh, or not. Here's a quick text from the 504. Seth, keep preaching Zion and Ja, my dream scenario. Fingers and toes will be crossed. Yours and mine both. Jake Madison next on the last lap. What's coming out of Milwaukee tonight is absolutely incredible, and it has nothing to do with the game that's being played between the Bucks and the Raptors. If you have a Twitter, and even if you don't, go on Twitter right now. It's kind of breaking the internet. There is head-to-head-to-head uh, -to -head -to -head beer chugging competitions across court between Aaron Rodgers, uh, his offensive lineman David Bakhtiari, uh, Kristen Yelich of the Brewers. It is incredible stuff, and I doubt we're going to see anything better than this uh, this entire year. It it's worth it. Trust me, you'll thank me later. This is <laughs> fantastic stuff. Uh, let's bring in Jake Madison, host of the Locked on Pelicans podcast. Uh, Jake, please tell me you're enjoying this as much as I am. I will. I saw that. It's pretty fun. It's nice to see people turn it up for the Milwaukee Bucks. I will say, though, <laughs> maybe what Kawhi Leonard's doing on the court is a little bit more impressive than that. Uh, yeah, 93-90, 32 points for Kawhi, Jake. And he's having an all-time an all NBA playoff run this year. It's incredible what he's doing. Yeah, he's showing that he, he's a top five, maybe top three. You could argue top two player in the league with the, with the run he's having right now. And don't forget, tonight what he's doing with the 32-6-8 and eight is on a pretty injured leg. He looked very slow and hobbled in game four, and he still went out and played incredible form. And he's doing it again tonight when he's still clearly not himself. But this guy is just an unbelievable basketball player, and it's really fun to watch him back in the playoffs and healthier than he was last season. Jake's at Nola Jake on Twitter. Give him a follow there. I tweeted out a couple of days ago, and I think this is actually before – game three jake that the raptors are the classic the classic nobody believes in us team and i'm not saying i saw this coming where they would win possibly three games in a row in this series but they are using that to their motivation and it's kind of incredible that now they're what three minutes away from taking this back to toronto with a chance to get to the finals 
Yeah, you know, they're the nobody believed in us team because they gave you no reason to believe in them based on <laughs> their past playoff history with DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry and just the, the abject failure that it was. There's no other way to put it, you know. They couldn't win game ones in the playoffs for years and years and years. They couldn't get past LeBron James even when they had home court and just always failing and failing and failing. But then they made that kind of all-in move for Kawhi Leonard this year, sending out fan favorite DeMar DeRozan, almost stabbing him in the back in a, in a weird way with that, and bringing this guy in who's kind of revolutionized their franchise, giving them, you know, a guy who can kind of, you, you can rely on in the clutch in Kawhi, who does it all, who's tremendous defensively, offensively, makes his teammates better. So I think you're seeing just the evolution of the Toronto Raptors and then taking the next step. Don't forget, they fired their head coach who won coach of the year and replaced him with one of their assistants in Nick Nurse um, to kind of get them over the hump and really mix things up. So good on Toronto for realizing where they were, what they needed to do, and it's starting to pay off. Yeah, but most people probably didn't know who Nick Nurse was before Drake hugged him on the uh, side of the court the other day. Uh, (laughs) Back-to-back threes by Brooke Lopez and Fred Van Vliet. And here we go, incredible game. One-point Raptors lead, minute 48 to go. We're talking to Jake Madison and host of the Locked on Pelicans podcast. Uh, all right, Jake, uh, we were texting a little bit earlier this week about my my crazy, wild uh, theory that it's not out of the realm of possibilities that the Pelicans could come out of this draft with both Zion Williamson and Ja Morant. I laid it out last segment for everybody. It would take a three-way deal with the Grizzlies, either with the Knicks or with the Lakers, most likely, for that to happen. Not saying um, that it's extremely likely to happen, but but Jake, am I completely off base? Is it not a possibility at all, or is it a possibility? No, I mean, look, the Pelicans just won the lottery with 6% odds to win it and 94% chance of not winning it. So I don't want to say anything's not going to happen because we've already defied that once this offseason, so why not keep it rolling on here? It's really, really unlikely, though. I'm not going to just shoot it down and be like, whatever, you're, you know, this is dumb, but I think it's tough, you know, and I think it more has to do with the way this draft looks like it's going to play out. And as I've been scouting this more and more, some of these players you know, Zion is probably worth the top 15 picks in this draft. That's how much better that he is than even the second and third guys on the board. I have John Morant, who's expected to go number two overall, um, pretty high over R.J. Barrett, who's expected to go three. And I'm even high on those guys, but it really falls off after the third overall pick. The difference between R.J. Barrett and maybe a guy like Darius Garland at four, whoever it is, or, um, Jarrett Culver or DeAndre Hunter, is really significant. Anyone outside of the top three, I look at maybe fringe starter at best, more likely a role player who at least has a place in the NBA. So if they're, you're talking a three-way deal with the Lakers and the four pick getting involved, I just don't see that being enough because I think the gap is too big between three and four. The third pick could. You know, the Memphis Grizzlies are in desperate need of uh, youth injection. They need to get some young, good guys in there. They have their centerpiece player in Jaron Jackson Jr., who was excellent for the team last year. You know, I think it just makes a little bit more sense to go with John Morant, and I don't think they're really going to budge off of that because then you can move Mike Conley and bring in additional pieces with that. So you retain that point guard, which is so important in today's NBA. You move out Mike Conley, bring in other pieces, and you have a very good young core that should be set to compete up in a couple of years. So there's a chance. 
I just think it's really, really unlikely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from Memphis's perspective, Jake, and well, maybe just from your perspective, you have Ja Morant on one side, and then you have, I don't know, R.J. Barrett, Dennis Smith Jr., Mitchell Robinson, and uh, a pick or two on the other side. You're still taking Ja? You know, maybe. You know, I, I haven't done my scouting enough on all of this to, to really want to make a full-on decision just yet or not. I will say Mitchell Robinson was very impressive last season. I think that's a, a good piece in there. Um, I'm not as high on Dennis Smith Jr. The other thing you've got to factor in with him is he's going to be up for his second contract in the NBA sooner rather than later. So you've got to make a decision on whether or not you want to pay that guy when he's likely just kind of a score off the bench. Um, maybe in the mold of like a Lou Williams with the, with the Clippers, who's a perennial six-man of the year, so it's not bad to have. It just depends on your salary cap sheet and if you're ready to commit money to those type of guys yet or if you'd rather keep it clean and wait kind of for a more opportune move to strike. I think that's a real big part of it, and that's going to be a big part of it for the Pelicans when they look at some of these trade offers. Brandon Ingram is going to be up for a big contract soon. So will Jalen Brown. Those are considerations you need to factor in. I will say, though, you know, it just depends on how high you are on Morant. If you think it's close between him and R.J. Barrett, yeah, you're going to take the move that has more assets in there. A guy like R.J. Barrett, a guy like Mitchell Robinson. You could even include a guy like Alonzo Trier, who was undrafted cheap and a pretty good score for the Knicks last year, too, along with future first-round picks, which they have from the Dallas Mavericks that came over in that Chris Epps Porzingis trade. It just really depends on where you value those assets. Right now, I see a gulf between Barrett and uh, Morant. But as I do more scouting, that might narrow some. And then the, all of a sudden, that deal for third and the other stuff sounds pretty good. Uh, That's great stuff from Jake Madison, Locked on Pelicans podcast. Two quick hitters here, so we got about a minute and a half left, Jake. Uh, are you hesitant like me from a Pelicans perspective to bring Mitchell Robinson back down here when he had a lot of uh, whispers? And, and frankly, I was in the high school you know, basketball scene, and these were more than whispers to me. But you know, he had some trouble off the court with the crowd that he um, hung with down here. Are, are those reservations legitimate? Yeah, I think so. I've heard some other things about him in the NBA, too. It's a concern. You know, guys need to carry themselves like a pro. I don't know if he's there yet. And the other one, uh, we were already hearing, you know, this expansion of the Anthony Davis trade possibilities, trade partner possibilities. Uh, who else is in this running now besides the big three, uh, Boston, uh, L.A., and New York? You know, I still think the Clippers could get into the mix depending on how things go. They can put an interesting offer together. You know, maybe a team like the Denver Nuggets, if they think they're closer um, to making a run at the NBA Finals or if the Warriors break up a little bit and they lose Durant. Also, keep an eye on what happens tonight with the Toronto Raptors. If they feel they're really close and that this is their window, they might go all in again and make a move for Anthony Davis, particularly if they think it'll help them re-sign Kawhi Leonard, who shows his value in this series right here. Oh, boy. That would be interesting. All right, Jake, I'll let you get back to the end of this game. Thanks so much, bud. Of course. Thanks for having me on, Seth. All right, Jake Madison, Locked on Pelicans podcast. He is the absolute best. You can find his podcast daily, LockedOnPelicans.com. And uh, your favorite podcast app, it is a three-point Raptors lead of three-point lead. Here come the Bucks. 35 seconds left. We'll update you on it next. Oh, boy. The Toronto Raptors are 16 seconds away from pulling off a pretty big upset on the road. 102-97. They lead the Bucks, who have two timeout lifts now. And two timeouts left, pardon me now. They will have the basketball and we'll find out what happens here. We're heading over to break and got another hour of the show. Carter Bryant coming up in just a few minutes. Also, we're going live on Facebook, WWO Radio Facebook page. 
Head on over there. We'll chat. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 